Good morning, everyone. It's Christmas Eve Eve. No, just me. Who's feeling Christmassy? Just me again. Good. Well, good news. We are at the end of a Christmas um, uh, uh, series. My voice is sounding a little bit tinny because usually I'm very deep and kind of dulcet, kind of smooth. Am I sounding okay at the back? No? It doesn't matter, we'll crack on. Anyway, so we've been looking at this series. Um, it's called Searching for God, um, Stories of Longing, Expectation, and Hope. And we've looked at four different characters, or two different characters so far, and a group of people. So we looked at Mary, and we looked at Zachariah, and we looked at the Magi, or the wise men, and then today we are looking at the shepherds. And I can't help but feel like we're missing someone. Um, but I can't quite put my finger on who, but anyway, this is... Not Joseph, Jesus. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's Jesus gets most of the year. It's okay. Um, la- so, um, last Christmas we had a special arrival because on Christmas Day. Um, our little boy, Ari, was born. So we have a Christmas um, baby, a lot like Jesus. And this confuses things. Um, because in, um, in kids' church last week, Reuben, I don't want to kind of affirm this, but he's, he's very shy. Um, and he, he doesn't like talking. And uh, Rona, who was leading kids' church, she said, um, so does anyone know what's happening soon? And, and the kids looked a bit, you know, blank. And she said, oh, it's going to be someone's birthday. And Reuben, who never speaks in public, he put up his hand and they said, yes, Reuben, um, whose birthday is it? And he said, Ari's. And he's right. But Rona said, no, <laughs> it's Jesus' birthday. So he won't ever speak again. Anyway, uh, so, um, so yeah, we're going to be looking at um, this, this story, um, this story about the shepherds. And... Um, I'm just going to let you into a small problem which I have. This is, as I said, it's the last week of this series. So we have spent three weeks previously looking at the same story, which leaves me with very little material. So I've really been left with two choices. Either I have to find something new and interesting, that's very hard, or I can take the slightly easier route and just make something up. And uh, you're going to have to decide which of those I decided to do. Anyway, the shepherds... Now, you all here know that the shepherds are, um, they, they kind of, do you know that they were looked down on, they were kind of dirty, kind of marginalized, and I want to spend a little bit of time exploring why. This is taken from um, the film Tangled, um, but this is the kind of picture that I want you to keep in your head for who the shepherds were. Um, before we go on, I was always, I've been a bit confused as to why the shepherds have been looked down on, why they have a bad name. Because Abraham, founding father of of Israel, shepherd, his sons, Isaac, shepherd, his grandsons, Esau and Jacob, also shepherds. Jacob changed his name to Israel, so kind of the name of the nation. He was a shepherd. Moses, shepherd, and King David, shepherd. So, why on earth were the, are, are the shepherds looked down on so much? And this is, this is, honestly, this is perhaps of no significance. This is just the question I had. And I've, I've read quite a few articles, and then the answer came to me whilst watching Jane the Virgin, um, which will offer all, sites of in, uh, all sorts of insights. Um, 
And the answer, I think, is this. As wealth increases, our, kind of, our tolerance decreases. So as we get richer, our tolerance for kind of dirty things decreases. And then as our tolerance goes down, ironically, our discomfort goes up. So it's better to be poor. Um, but anyway, that's, that's essentially what happens. So Israel stabilizes. It becomes this, this great nation. Um, it obviously has a bit of a turbulent story along the way. But the founding fathers who were shepherds, this was their, this was their identity. Years and years and years later, we arrive, um, so probably 2,000 years or so after Abraham, we arrive at this story, the first Christmas, and shepherds are this lowly kind of group of people. And just to, to explore this a little bit more, um, the shepherds, why were they um, so kind of looked down on? Why were they marginalized? It's because they were uneducated, and that's who you get to do the jobs you don't want to do. This is a good idea that we should, we should do today. If, you, if you've got really hard labor, give it to people who are uneducated and then penalize them for not having the privilege of a good education by paying them only very small amounts. This is a good idea. We should do this. Oh, we do do that, don't we? Nothing much has changed. Anyway, so this is what happened with the shepherds. They, were, they didn't come back from a privileged background. Hello, Reuben. Yes, Reuben, I'm talking right now. You're an underground dancer. This is Reuben, who I didn't think would ever talk again. Um, he's, he's picked a great moment to do so. Um, thank you, Reuben. He's an underground dinosaur. Um, where were we? We were looking at the shepherds. So the shepherds, um, so these guys, they had to live out in the wilderness. They were essentially homeless for nine to ten months of the year. So this is dirty, it's not well paid, and it's dangerous because the shepherds were there primarily to look after the animals, so sheep and, and goats, from wild animals. So this is dangerous work that no one wants to do. And do you know what the shepherds did? Because they didn't have any money, this is the, the kind of stuff they did. They, they would um, encourage the sheep to kind of procreate. They would kind of go and do your thing. And then the sheep would do their thing. And then they would zip up their fleeces at the end. And then um, all the little kids, or the little um, lambs, they would sell off because they need to make ends meet. They were, they were so desperate that they, they stole from their master or their masters, and they, they sold the lambs and um, kids and fleeces just to, to try and make a living. And because of that, shepherds were not trusted ever. They, um, they weren't allowed to give testimony or witness in a court of law. So their, their words stood for nothing, which is interesting because these are the first people who witnessed something extraordinary and then shared it. And... Um, and in Luke's gospel, it says people were amazed. It doesn't say they believed, because you wouldn't believe it. You would not believe this bunch of people, would you? It's like if Nigel Farage said, hey, it's true, it's on the side of a bus. We go, <laughs> you've fooled us with that before. We don't believe that. But you would not believe these, this group of guys. Um, they were completely untrustworthy. Anyway. We often talk about context here. We say that you need to understand the context of a story to really understand what it's talking about. So, what I want to do is offer you a bit of context of this, of this um, account of the first Christmas, the nativity story. Um, because this account of the shepherds is found in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, yeah, the, the Gospel of Luke is really interesting. But to set the scene a bit, there is one film, which I don't know why, it's always left, of the, left off or out of the top Christmas um, you know, 
film charts, but it perhaps is one of the best. It's perhaps second only after Die Hard. And this is a video which I think will set the scene perfectly. Wise men. What? We are three wise men. Well, what are you doing creeping around a cow's head at two o'clock in the morning? That doesn't sound very wise to me. We are astrologers. We have come from the east. Is this some kind of joke? We wish to praise the infant. We must pay homage to him. Homage? You're drunk. It's disgusting. Out! Come on, out! No, Bursting no. me here with tales about oriental fortune tellers. Come on, out! No, no, we must see him. Go and praise someone else's brat. We were led by a star. Led by a bottle of all I got out. We, we must see him. We have brought presents. Out. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. Well, why didn't you say he's over there? Sorry the place is a bit of a mess. Well, what is myrrh anyway? It is a valuable bomb. A bomb? What are you giving him a bomb for? It might bite him. What? That's a dangerous animal. Quick, throw it in the trough. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It's great feet. No, 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 it is an ointment. Oh, there's an animal called a bomb. Or did I dream it? So you're astrologers, are you? Well, what is he then? Hmm? What star sign is he? Uh, Capricorn. Uh, Capricorn, eh? What are they like? He is the son of God, our Messiah, King of the Jews. Well, that's Capricorn, is it? Uh, no, 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 that's just him. Oh, I was going to say, otherwise there'd be a lot of them. By what name are you calling him? Uh, Brian! We worship you, O Brian, who are Lord over us all. Praise unto you, Brian, and to the Lord our Father. Amen. Do you do a lot of this, then? What? This praising. No, 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 no. Uh, well, um, if you drop in by again, do pop in. <laughs> and thanks a lot for the gold and frankincense. Uh, but don't worry too much about the myrrh next time, all right? <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye. Well, weren't they nice? <laughs> Out of the bloody mind, but still. Look at that! <laughs> here! Here! Here, that's... That's right! Hey! Hey! 
There we go. That is um, from The Life of Brian, which is a, a really fantastic and fun film. Um, I apologize if I offended anyone, um, but chill out. Um, <laughs> the, the reason why I showed you that is because um, this is like the set, this is basically the setting for when Luke wrote his, um, his account of things. And it seems like there was, people were catching wind of different bits of the story, and it all sounded a little bit, a little bit crazy, a little bit messy. And he wrote his, you, know, you might know that he wrote this, his account of things to this guy called the most excellent Theophilus, or something like that. And that's a, it's a name, but also a title for someone who's, who's well-educated or held in high esteem. So he writes this account of, what, uh, of everything that happens, and he tries to kind of clear up all of the, the kind of stuff that's going around. And from the beginning, I want to talk a little bit about the arc or the, the way in which Luke writes his, his gospel. And then we, we're, we're spoiled a little bit, or, or we're... Um, we're confused a little bit by the book of John because whoever compiled the Bible got it a little bit wrong because they stuck the Gospel of John in the middle of Luke's kind of accounts of things. So Luke writes his Gospel, which is the bit about Jesus', Jesus life, and then he writes Acts. It's the same thing. It's like it's just the second half, and someone stuck John in the middle, which kind of confuses us all. So I want to talk about. Luke, and then I also want to talk very quickly about Acts, because I think when you hold them together, it gives a very different picture about um, this first Christmas story, and it's quite, it's quite interesting. So it all starts off in Galilee, and you know that um, Nazareth and Galilee are kind of like, it's, they're kind of like the sticks. It starts out nowhere. In fact, at the beginning of, beginning of Luke, um, it, Luke talks about, he doesn't even give a location. And there's this funny story about Zachariah who can't, who can't talk. And it's a bit like a funny musical because Mary starts singing. Like from the outset, he's kind of writing this story and it just sounds nuts. It's like, oh yeah, this guy, Zachariah, had a dream and he couldn't speak. And then Mary, she burst into song. And it's, it, the whole thing is like a pantomime. It makes no sense. But then it starts, when, when Jesus comes onto the scene, it's, he, says, he says it's the line of David. And all of a sudden, there's these little things that, that Luke starts dropping in to help the reader kind of work out where this goes. It's, he's like, you've heard all this crazy stuff, and I've heard this crazy stuff too. It's like, how do you make sense of this? And it's like this weird musical. And then it starts to make sense, and, it's, and he starts to build on it, and he starts to tell us about Jesus' mission. Um, um, ministry. So there's these characters of um, the shepherds, and the shepherds, like I said, if you're going to make an account for something, if you want it to have credibility, do not include the shepherds. These guys are untrusted. No one's going to take their word for it. And so he's like saying, look, look how it started. It's, it's, it's all hearsay, and it's, how can you trust any of what you're hearing? And Theophilus is probably reading this going, this really is crazy stuff. This is all wrong. But there's this really cool arc in Luke, and I want to show you this now, because it starts in Galilee, or Nazareth, and then Jesus' ministry, he kind of comes a little bit further south. In Samaria, um, he does some cool stuff. He hangs out with this dude. He hangs out with Zacchaeus in the tree, and he also pushes some people out of the temple. Let's just go back here, though. And then he eventually ends up in Judah, in Jerusalem. 
But this is a really interesting journey because Luke's basically saying this really weird story, this musical that started in the north in these funny towns called Nazareth, where you've never been, this story came all the way to the central power of Jerusalem. So it's, it's move, the story is moving from obscurity to prominence. It's moving to the center to the center of everything. Can you, see, can you see that? It's kind of, it's amazing. And on the way, the story, which starts with the shepherds, who are the, the lowly, who are always excluded, the untrusted, along the way, this story, which starts with those people on a very personal level, it takes in um, Zacchaeus, who was a wealthy person. So it starts with individuals, but it's it's the same story, it affects the very wealthy. And then it goes to the powers who be in the temple. These are in the middle of Luke's gospel. And then I want to show you um, this map, which some of you may have seen before. This is a map of, um, of uh, Paul's missionary tri- um, trips. Um, and I think we, we've basically, we, we're kind of told on a subliminal level that we should really know these maps and know where, where Paul went. I'll put my hand up and say, no idea. Like, how do you remember all those squiggly lines? I do know that he went to over 50 cities. He spoke to all sorts of important people, and he challenged all sorts of um, rules and regulations and the status quo. But the, I want to tell you about where he finished up, because I think that's important. Does anyone know where he finished up? Rome is the right answer. And so our arc is completed. Can you see what Luke's doing? I mean, it's, it's historical as well. But he's, he's started this story in this little backwater town called Nazareth. And it's all this, these funny people. Like it includes the, the shepherds who you can't trust. And it's this funny musical and everyone's singing. And then there's the star and all this stuff. But then it moves all the way to the center of the provincial power. It moves to Jerusalem. This is a story that affects the whole nation of Israel. And then the story goes all the way to Rome, which is the central power in the whole world. This is the center of the Roman Empire. So it's this story that starts in the sticks and it, it's driven right to the heart of, of the greatest power that the, the world at that point had ever known. This is, this is extraordinary because it means that we have to look at our story of, of um, the first Christmas a little bit differently because it's just the beginning, as we know. So, I don't want to talk for long. I just really want to leave some of this hanging. This story, there are all sorts of things that we don't understand, a little bit like um, uh, the life of Brian, which paints which paints this fantastic picture of, well, we've heard little bits, where there's a Messiah, he might be called Brian, he might have been born in an inn. Incidentally, the word inn, in this story that is translated in, later on it's translated the upper room. This is problematic for everyone who has ever invested in a nativity set and an inn, because the story implies not that they went to an innkeeper and the innkeeper didn't have room. The story implies they went to their family and they said, can we stay here? And they said, oh, but the upper room's full, so you're going to have to stay where the sheep and the animals are kept. And the manger is the inset 
at the bottom of the house. So Jesus is born in a house with extended family around him. Screws up our story, doesn't it? But anyway, all of these sto- there's all these details that we don't know, but here is the truth of the big arc of this story, which I think is hugely challenging for us. And it's also a little bit comforting because if the story started and finished, the, the, um, the first Christmas story started and finished with the shepherds and the lowly, well, most of us here are screwed because we've all got... We're, well, we don't all, but lots of us live very comfortable lives, don't we? So does this story ever come to people like us, people who live in this huge city, people who, who have so much around us, material and financial and social wealth? And I know some of us really struggle with some of those things. But this is the story of Luke as he tells it. Remember, it's Luke and it's Acts together. It starts... Pre- in this backwater town, and it goes all the way to Rome, and it affects absolutely everyone. And I think the point of his, of his story is, this starts with the least. This is, this is where God is working. It starts with the least. But this is, do not be mistaken, this is a revolution. This isn't just something that's nice for us to buy into because it makes us feel happy. And hey, even the shepherds were included. This is a reality that has to be made known in the highest courts that we have. So there is a responsibility. Are we going to take this same message? Are we going to share it with the people around us? And are we going to make the reality of that story known in our highest courts? Are we going to ensure that the laws that we pass ensure justice for the least? That is the Christmas story. It's not that it starts and finishes in a stable. It's that it starts there, but it goes everywhere because this story is of great significance. Are you with me? Or are you thinking, he's nuts? FYI, I went with the harder option, I think. I tried to find something that was true. I didn't make this up. This, this story affects everyone. And I, and I hope that this Christmas, as we reflect on this, we reflect on the point that it is revolutionary, 100%. It is not just something to remind ourselves of and sing about. It's something that demands absolutely every part of us, and it demands us to go and share it. One more thing before I pray. Um, Luke, uh, if, if you've read the, the um, Acts, you might know that there are some we passages. It's important to note these are W-E, not W-E-E. Um, the wee passages of Luke, and these are the passages where Luke kind of joins Paul, and he goes on a missionary trip with him. So at the start of Acts, it's like, oh yeah, Paul and his buddies did this, and they did this, and then all of a sudden he switches and he says, oh, and then we, we, we got stranded in Malta. So at some point, Luke joins up with Paul. He hears this story, and he, realized this, he realizes this story demands everything. I'm on board, and he starts traveling with Paul. So Luke moves around with Paul. So, so the last bits of Acts are eyewitness accounts. That's what this demands. It demands us to read this story and go, well, that's nice, but this demands everything. All of us, this is not a Jesus and Mary and them. This is a we. This is an us. This is something we buy into. And if we want to make this known, that's what's required. So a little gentle challenge for you this Christmas.
partake in this, read about it, but also as you think about the new year, how can you make it known to the people around you? That's the challenge of this story. Let me pray, and then um, I'll hand over to Dave. Lord, I thank you for this story. I thank you for the way it's been passed down to us um, in, a, in a somewhat piecemeal way, that we have these four stories that seem to at times contradict each other, but as we look closer, actually pull out different points, different theological and spiritual and social points as the authors understood this incredible story uh, to be transforming. We thank you for this extraordinary account that Luke has read, um, has written, has researched and written, and it's extraordinary that we have it today. Um, my personal prayer is that I would cease to read this as a nice little episode, a musical that doesn't resonate or challenge me. But in the same way that Luke heard this story and realized that it demanded everything, I, I pray that I would have the challenge to do, uh, the confidence to do the same. So my prayer for my friends here is that this Christmas we would realize how far this story reaches and how much it demands of all of us to ensure that everyone, the least, the ruffians, the shepherds, know that they are included in this story that says we are held together and we are held together in love. Amen.